I, I got my focus on passion and empathy Gaining perspectives, investing, I do believe Money and grinding go hand in hand, you will see I'm working smart, expanding my energy Hope that you feeling me, I'm acting differently You got a friend in me I'm working hard to try and work smart No time to complain, it's time to start We gotta work Future millionaires Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Future Millionaires. Today we have on Ryan White, who is the CEO of Social Revelation Marketing, which is a seven-figure year agency. And on top of that, Ryan has really solid values in his life and business, which is actually a big reason for why I wanted to bring him on the show today. So with that being said, Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you for having me on for sure. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. So we got a young audience here, man. You know, we got a lot of people in the high school, college age range. So in order to give them some background of kind of where you were at in your life at that point, and then kind of when entrepreneurship was introduced into your life, I'd like to kind of run through your early childhood and then when entrepreneurship really became a factor. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I'm from a small town called Lakeland, Georgia, very small population of about 3,300 people. My high school, we had about 400 kids, so very, very small. And uh, I tell people a lot of times, kind of jokingly, that I was the high school salutatorian of 92 kids. Yeah. So that's kind of the, it usually gets a laugh when I tell people that how small <laughs> we were. But um, anyway, I was, I was in the baseball world. My dad was my high school coach, you know, coached mm-hmm. me from the time I could walk through high school, ended up going to Carson Newman University on a baseball scholarship where I studied accounting there. Don't really know what I was doing um, at that point in time. Why I went into accounting, I think I was kind of pushed by my advisor, but uh, ended up getting a bachelor's in accounting and uh, playing mm-hmm. ball at Carson Newman, which is a division two school and right outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And when I got done with that, I actually did kind of a year or two in internships with accounting, kind of realized what in the world have I went out and kind of done. Um, This is terrible, right? (laughs) This is not to throw shade at the accountants out there. I'm sure a lot of accountants love their job, but I'm very much a people person. You know, I like Mm -hmm. doing stuff like this, uh, meeting people, shaking hands. And so kind of pushing a pencil and typing on a calculator wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And so, but I was sitting there, you know, and I remember when I graduated the first like real job, if you will, that I had, you know, out of college and owing $51,000 in student loan debt was yeah. I was a, I got hired by Tennessee State Bank. So a lot of people don't know this, but I was a bank teller, drive through window, punching yeah. in at 730 every day, you know, at 21, 22 years old, making $11 <laughs> an hour. And it was kind of in that moment where I spent about six months, man, I had some really dark times because just potential wise, you know, a lot of athletes, when you kind of go from playing ball to that career path ending yeah a lot of a lot of athletes have trouble transitioning into what's going to be the next 50 60 years of my life right Mm -hmm. and so I was kind of battling that as well I wasn't making a ton of money and I just knew potentially um, that I could do a lot more and so I ended up having a relationship that ended which kind of took me back to Georgia from Tennessee Mm -hmm. moved back in with my parents and you know it was in those moments where actually both my parents were high school educators and so well my dad was in with high school, my mom was in elementary school. But the yeah. point is, is I'd started taking what's called the Gase test in order because, you know, when, when you're a lot of times when we don't know what to do, we go back to what's comfortable. So sure. I was early yeah. taking the Gase test to become certified to teach math because I was going to go into education and become a coach like my dad. And luckily, you know, God had a different plan for me, thankfully. Right. And so I got blessed with the opportunity to um, an old coach and a guy I used to play with called me up and he said, Hey man, I got an opportunity for you to get back into baseball through uh, travel baseball coaching and private instruction. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up moving to Warner Robins, Georgia in 2013. And I said, let me put pump the brakes, you know, on the education thing, because I was about to go get my master's in that, right? 
Mm-hmm. Because there was all these things. If you want to make you know any kind of money in education, you have to have degrees, right? Yeah. Kind of the curve with that is the more degrees and the more time invested you have is the more money you make. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was about to go dump all this money in more education. Like I said, keep in mind I already owed fifty grand, you know, yeah. in debt. And I said, let me pump the brakes on this because I don't even know truly that that's what I want to go and do. I think I'm just doing it because I'm comfortable, and I feel like a lot of people get stuck there. And I want to say to your younger audience, you know, if you don't know what you want to do in life. That's okay. Because I had, obviously, at this point in my life, I had no idea what I wanted to do. But luckily, I went back and kind of chased my passion. The moment my passion with baseball opened back up, I stepped into that. And so I moved to Warner (laughs) Robins 2013, started doing private instruction and coaching. And I had about, you know, I'd build up kind of my business um, to 40, 50 kids a week coming in and training. with me. And this was probably, I didn't realize it at the time being so young, you know, at 2013, I'm I'm probably 23 years old. I am 23 years old, turning 24 (laughs) at this point point in time. And so, you know, it it was the first time though that I had, that I realized that I was selling myself. I had to go Mm. out and I had to build clients. I had to sell myself to parents because parents were the one paying you. Right. And so it was probably the first time where I learned business building skills on how to go out and actually acquire clients and to sell myself. And so I didn't see it at the time, but I did that through 2017, which kind of led me up to, you know, sparking interest. Um, ended up meeting, my wife now, which I kind of knew yeah. early on. Yep. <laughs> I, I ended up meeting her probably, well, it was February of 2016. And so that whole year, I kind of was like, this is going to get serious. And I started to think more. Now, at this point in time, I'm 26 years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to think kind of more long term. I'm like, okay, I need to get, this could be serious. Kids could come. Do I want to be in a position to where, you know, I'm working when future kids one day you know, are out of school because that was kind of the way my schedule worked. Mm -hmm. You know, I worked when kids were out of school and I was off when kids were in school. So I started playing with this whole idea and then I just started having some other thoughts like, you know, I'm kind of getting in my late twenties. How long am I going to be able to throw baseballs, you know, before this Mm -hmm. thing goes out. And, uh, and then I was in a situation where I, like a lot of people, I was trading time for money. And so, you know, if I ever got sick, couldn't make money. If I ever got hurt, hurt, you know, Lord forbid I broke my hand, couldn't work, couldn't make money. So I started to play with this idea of how can I make passive income? And so really when my, a lot of people tell me, you know, a lot of my mentors are like, you started to go kind of, you know, a rich mindset to a wealth mindset in that moment, you know, it was the first time you probably started thinking wealth because you tried to start transitioning into this passive income. And so I didn't know how, you know, things were going to change for me, but the one thing that I did know was I wanted things to change. And so I started focusing on growing my Instagram channel with the audience. And the reason I did that was because I didn't know what business I wanted to go and have, but I knew it would be easier to get off the ground if I had an audience. So Mm -hmm. I just started doing, and it was through the act of doing that actually the social revelation marketing company that I have today kind of fell in my lap and, you know, it turned into a seven figure company. So that's kind of the the story from high school transitioning into college to the baseball world into with what I'm doing now with social revelation. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, let's pick it up from there then, because you start with social revelation and clearly like you talked about how you had to get outside your comfort zone to do that, which I'm huge on, like always preaching that. So I love that, you know, you really benefited in your life from doing that. So you get into social revelation what were the initial either successes or struggles that you had with actually, you know, taking that skill that you learned of content and, you know, growing accounts and doing that for clients and whatnot? Yeah, for sure. So as far as for clients and getting growth, I had done, 
I, I'm real big on, I do my homework before I ever take something to a client. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people, people run to market and they, they haven't really perfected their systems. Mm-hmm. And so they wonder why things tank, tank early on, or they never really get it off the ground. See, for me, I was already growing my account, 10,000 followers a month, targeted generating yeah. leads for myself before I ever took it to market. Mm-hmm. So it was because of those results that people actually sought me out versus me having to go and do the secret. True, yeah. So I feel a lot of people kind of have a disconnect there. And so just with anything that I do, whether it's digital PR, getting people featured somewhere or, you know, getting someone on a live television show, like I always use myself as the case study and I'm never going to try to sell Gavin on something that I haven't went out and done myself. Yeah. Right. So if I didn't have a, a pretty significant, you know, social media following and I wasn't branded properly or making mm-hmm. say seven figures, I'm not going to go try to sell you a program that can do that. Yeah, yeah. Where I feel like a lot of these drop shippers, right? These young 22, 24 True. year old kids, they're not selling you on stuff that they've done. Mm-hmm. They're selling you theory. And so that's where a lot of these kids get scammed and whatnot. And, you know, and, and, and all these kids get in a heap of trouble is because they're selling theory, not actual tangible results. So I yeah. was kind of the opposite of that. Like I actually went out and did and got the results before I ever tried to sell. And I think that was one thing that, that I didn't really, one reason why I didn't really struggle, I feel like as much as other startups do because I kind of went the opposite direction. Um, but one struggle that I did have, you know, again, both my parents in education, not really having an entrepreneur background. Now, mm-hmm. granted I had a business degree, but let me just tell you firsthand that what you learn in, in business in the real world are, are they're the opposite <laughs> yeah, of the yeah. spectrum. Right. And so there's, there's, there's no, no wisdom, like, like firsthand experience. And so, mm-hmm. um, but building teams, you know, that was a struggle for me mm. because I had no insight into it. Yeah. And a lot of times when you're younger too, you know, I started my business at 27 and so 26 turning 27. And so I had huge trust issues, you know, I'm like, well, how am I supposed to go and bring someone onto my business and trust them with the fact that they're going to do it the way they need to do it? The yeah. same things that a lot of people deal with. And so I had to go, one thing that I've learned is if you're not an expert in a certain area, that's where you go seek help and mentorship or hire it out. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of basically what I went out and, and I did. Um, and that's kind of how I was able to overcome very early on was because I sought out what I like to call. So the business model for me, and this may be a revelation for a lot of people, but I get all the time. They're like, man, a social revelation, like a, you got it. Like your headquarters is in Atlanta. You got like a hundred employees. Right. And the answer to that is like, no, we all work remotely. Yeah. Um, you know, and for the first year, it was only myself. And then literally after year three, I had two personal assistants, you yeah. know, and that was it. And it was because of how I built out basically my fulfillment system. And so to kind of give you a little insight into that was my whole theory was if I want to get to say 600 clients, which is where we were at, yeah. for me to go and make those 600 phone calls and close people, it would take me years to do that. Uh-huh. But what if I could basically go, okay, where are the fish in the ocean that I want to go and catch? Right. Where do the, where are the, so we have to figure out, you know, number one, who's my target consumer. And then Mm -hmm. two, where are the, where are they hanging out at? So for me, I understood that marketing companies had always been around since the beginning of time, you know? Um, So traditionally they would sell billboards, radio ads, television ads. Mm -hmm. But when I got in social media, especially Instagram marketing was a very new concept. And here in South Georgia, I was like one of the very first ones doing this. And so for me, I said, you know what, what if I go to those companies, approach them, Give them, say, let me take your company's account, show you what I can do in 30 days, get you to see value in that. Yeah. And then if you accept, you add my stuff to your pitch deck. And then in that moment, I get access to your 150, 200 clients immediately. Yeah. And so I went and I've, 
travel to Detroit, Michigan. I locked that deal down and then I replicated. So that was my very first one was in Detroit. And then I replicated that model with other partner agencies, as I like to call them. Um, and I'll, you know, all parts of the world. So I went to LA, mm-hmm. I went to New York, I went to West Palm Beach, Florida. We have one in Vancouver, Canada. Um, you know, the list goes all on and on. You know, I've worked with companies in Australia. And so by tapping in and getting them to see value on what I'm doing, it allowed our company to focus on just fulfillment because mm-hmm. these, there's another thing in order to keep overhead low, you know, a lot of companies fail in the first two to three years because their overhead is so high. Mm-hmm. Why? But a lot of times, cause they're trying to go spend money on all this advertisement, marketing, salespeople to go and get lead acquisition. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, I kind of went the opposite and said, you know what? These companies already pay money, pay payroll to have salespeople mm-hmm. on the ground floor selling. What if they went out and paid all that money? And then when they close, all that kind of flows back to me and we just focus on fulfillment. Yeah. That was how I scaled to 600 clients in 18 months and got to a seven figure company in less than two years. That was the model. Yeah. And so I don't really think that I kind of realized what I was doing with the first one, but it was working so well. I said, I got to replicate this. Mm -hmm. And then that was the kind of the model that I went with. So where a lot of people will kind of push out an affiliate program, I pushed out what I like to call a partner model. And Mm -hmm. it was kind of like me wholesaling to these firms and allowing them to go out and exploit their resources, their sales team to go get the clients. And then we just fulfilled. Yeah. So, So, yeah. No, no, that's great. And I mean, there was a ton you touched on in, in that, uh, in that answer. So I, I'd love to, you know, kind of unpack it a bit now and break sure. down different parts of it with the yeah. first one being sales, right? Before you had all these other, you know, corporations and sales teams selling for you, you were the one that was selling. Um, even you said during baseball, that was kind of like their first sales experience. So I'm kind of wondering, did you start selling out of like, well, clearly you sold out of necessity, but did you find you liked it or did you find like, okay, this is something eventually I want to delegate because I'm not the most, you know, hot on it. Yeah, I guess um, most people gravitate to what they're good at. Yeah. Right. Uh, naturally. If you're good in baseball, mm-hmm. you're a baseball fan, right? If yeah. you're not good in baseball, people are like, I hate it. I don't watch it. My wife always tells me that every single person I would talk to, I would close. And I didn't even necessarily realize it. I think it, I think it goes back to when you are choosing what you want to do for a living. It all starts mm-hmm. with passion. And I know we hear this, but it's out of the passion where you actually create the fire. Fire breeds energy. And when you're speaking to someone about it, that energy you're able to transfer to that individual to get them to buy into what you're doing. Yeah. So because I ha- was in the baseball world, again, passion, mm-hmm. I was able to close people very easily. Then because I was in such a place where I was excited about Instagram and like what I was doing yeah. and creating my own business and being able to be kind of independent, self-employed. I was, and, and I was getting the results. That's key too. So yeah. if you truly believe in your product, then you're going to be convicted enough that I'm going to be able to pass that on to Gavin when I'm speaking to him. And then you're yeah. going to be like, dude, whatever it is that he's doing, I want to some of that in my yeah. life. Right. And it's all energy. But I feel like a lot of times people are unsuccessful in sales because they're, maybe they hate selling cars, but they're working at a car dealership trying to sell. And because you're not convicted mm-hmm. enough about the product, you're not able to relay that to the person who came onto the live. Yeah. Therefore the sales never takes place. It's not that there's anything wrong with you. It's just that you haven't found your passion yet. You're in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So a big thing is getting people on the right bus and getting them in the right seat on the bus, you know, cause yeah. I feel like a lot of times people may be on in the, on the right vehicle, right? Sales. A lot of people are, are good at sales, but I feel like a lot of times they're sitting in the wrong seat. So they may, may be at a car dealership when maybe they're more passionate about, you know, cell phones. So yeah. maybe they'd be a better fit at Verizon. Um, mm-hmm. That's just an example, but everyone has to kind of figure that out for themselves. 
Yeah, no. Okay. That's interesting. Just because I, I personally very much enjoy sales, right? So I was yeah. like listening to entrepreneurs and their stories too, because everyone has their own interests and, you know, different unique strengths. So it's interesting to see how you still enjoyed it, but found a way to just make it more efficient for your company as well. So for with, sure. yeah. And with that being said, you built out, you know, this team of VAs. And I noticed you said that when you started out, you, you know, you didn't feel necessarily comfortable or really trust, um, you know, other people to do as good of a job as you've done in the past with your clients and you were kind of wary. And I know I can really relate to that and other young entrepreneurs can too, when you start getting to that stage. So what are tips for hiring and kind of to make that, uh, basically set the expectations and just have a, you know, beneficial experience for both parties involved. For sure. So a lot of times when we don't have trust there, that may be because what I had to learn is Mm -hmm. that means we don't really trust or value our processes and systems, or maybe they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not even there. So for me, I had a lot of trust issues because I didn't have any processes or systems. So number one, I didn't really know how to properly train. Number two, you know, I felt like I had to go out and give away just everything. When the reality is if you take the time to consider, okay, I'm going to have this VA that I hire, what systems and processes, security measures can I put in place because you're prepping, mm-hmm. you know, you're preparing for that so that when that hire does take place, you don't feel like you have to roll out just everything and just say, Hey, mm-hmm. here's what I got. Take it, you know, as is. So I think preparation is key. And I think having a system and procedures to train an individual that you bring on is going to be, you know, super instrumental in not only you benefiting, but the VA coming in yeah. and saying, Hey, I have a proven system. I know what I'm coming into work to do every day versus it feels like we're just winging this. Right. Um, But then it goes back to the whole concept too, you know, two batteries will always, you know, produce a stronger current than one. Yeah. Right. And so in your mind, you know, mentally, like, and I guess for the first part of it, I realized that for me to do a half million dollars a year, a year, how much Mm -hmm. energy it came from me. So in my mind, I'm going, how in the world am I ever going to get to a $10 million company? It's physically impossible by yourself. Mm-hmm. So at some point you reach a deciding factor, yeah. you spend the time to go build out the systems and you have to kind of lean on that trust and you do the best you can as far as the protective and the security measures. But the reality is if you ever want to be a 10, 50, hundred million dollar company, you can't do it alone. It does mm-hmm. require a team. And so again, it's just the whole concept again, that two minds will always be greater than one, you know, even if they, and I had to come to the realization too, that say I hired, you know, Gavin into my company. No, Gavin may not be able to do this particular thing as well as say as I can. Mm-hmm. but if I have Gavin and maybe two other people together working on that, and then I'm still able to come in and maybe add a, a final touch, the, the work output with that setup will still be far greater than just me yeah. doing it by myself. You see what I'm saying? So it's all about production. It's all about efficiency and it's all about this whole idea of ranking up. And I feel like if you're an entrepreneur who wants to reach full potential, you don't have a choice, but yeah. to buy into the team building concept at some point you can try to go, you know, as long as you want to without doing it, but you're going to at some point run into a barrier and then you're going to have to decide. And so it's like, let's yeah. go ahead and work on those trust issues now because we know it's coming <laughs> and let's just go ahead and break down those barriers now instead of, you know, three years down the road. Like I did, I kind of waited, Yeah. but I realized that I probably missed out on millions of dollars in revenue by waiting. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had to, you know, instead of me putting in 12, 14 hours a day, I might've could have put in, you know, six to eight because yeah. I had those people and we can't get our time back now. So Okay. So when you started building out systems too, 
was it kind of like just using logic and YouTube or did you seek out like a mentor who has built out systems before? Like, how did you kind of like figure sure. like, this is what I want to do. And then, you know, how'd you actually implement that? Exactly. So again, remember going back to team building, that was not my forte. It's mm-hmm. still not my forte. I love connecting with people, but it's, I'm not the guy who looks at Gavin and goes, Oh, he's great at this. Let's put him on that and, yeah. and ride. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just, that's not my skill set of where I thrive. And so I, I'm a big believer in keeping people where they specialize. So I definitely, as I was moving through, I sought mentorship through, it could be friends of mine who were, their specialty was team building. You yeah. know, I have a buddy of mine. Um, you know, he, he, basically is the owner of one of my largest partner firms, but he's kind of become a brother to me and he builds teams. Mm -hmm. I mean, like this, he was really big in the network marketing world. I mean, and he had over, I think 30,000 people in his downline from like 17 different countries. So the guy knows how to like build teams and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know, that's okay, but maybe seek out mentorship or if you can't find someone who's willing to help you definitely invest in maybe paying someone to come in and help you do that because once that's done for you, it's just, you're, you know, the ROI that you're going to make from that being in place is, is probably going to be five or 10 X. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so when, when you started to build out your systems, was that a lot of videos? Cause I'm, you, you said everyone works, you know, remotely. So for was sure. it training videos you made once and you know, you keep reusing them or what's that kind of looking like? So one thing that I just discovered, so a lot of it, you know, was obviously zoom and I would have my employees that would do a zoom and they would record their screen so that we could save a video and say upload it into a Google drive folder specific for that task. Okay. So you can kind of like see what they were doing and whatnot. Of course. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So let's just say, you know, someone pays and we're going to go through an onboarding process of how to submit the client and go through fulfillment. Yeah. I could yeah. have, you know, I could have them from the moment, you know, my VA goes into, you know, the email and sees the payment. Mm-hmm. Let's go into a zoom, let's screen record and let's show all the action steps on screen that we do from here. And then, you know, we create a video, we record it, we put it into a, a G drive folder yeah. and we label that onboarding so that if I was to hire the next person or this person's sick, I can say, Hey, if you need anything in learning how to do this process is when it comes to training, we get to refer back yeah. to that onboarding video. And then recently I got stumbled across a little thing called loom.com loom videos. Yeah. I don't know if you know them, but yeah. that's huge for, for training. I mean, if that, mm-hmm. if it does one thing, well, I mean, with you actually being able to have your face in a circle talking as you're doing the physical task, if you're not on loom.com, that's a perfect way to train because probably even better than zoom, um, because mm-hmm. you can screen record, but have kind of you talking over it the whole time. So yeah, between zoom and loom, it's funny how those are kind of the same thing, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, dude, that's perfect for, for training and setting up systems. Yeah, definitely. And I know Loom actually like just cut their prices in half too. And I'm pretty sure they yep. added in like a student discount for free. So, you know, a lot of younger it's listeners perfect. use that college email, get it for free at the premium yes. version right off yeah. the bat. That's it. Record a Loom and send it to your VAs and just show them exactly this is how you do it. Maybe even as as the owner, since you've already been kind of doing the stuff anyway, mm-hmm. you know how to do the process. So go ahead and maybe fulfill that one client on like a recorded video. Yeah, yeah. And then, ha- and then send it to them to watch and say, hey, just replicate this you know, mm-hmm. pretty yeah, black definitely. at that point, you know? Yeah. Plus you can just share the links on uh, Loom exactly. stuff to the folder. So yeah, no, I love that. And then yeah. w- how do you set up expectations to when you hire? Cause this is, you know, clearly super important. The whole process is what's helped to you scale. So I want to stay in it just a little longer with setting yeah. up expectations to make sure that, you know, if things don't go well, they kind of like understand that you guys can break off or, you know, they understand how they can improve in the company, like for their income level and whatnot and just build a future with your company and your team. For sure. So for me, 
um, like obviously my wife and I, we have a, we have a vlog channel. So we use VAs for pretty much everything. Um, obviously we take the raw footage, we upload it to G drive. We have a VA that goes in downloads. Um, and then he basically makes the final version and uploads it Mm -hmm. the final in there. So anyway, my point is, is you can use VAs for virtually anything, but in order to set expectations. So the reason I brought that up was because when we went to hire that individual for that job, I'm mm-hmm. a big believer in having a trial process, a trial period. It's huge, uh, especially mm-hmm. when you're working with people from overseas. It's kind of the culture now in a sense because, you know, how in the world do I vet someone who maybe be, be who might live in the Philippines halfway across the world, yeah. you know, and I'm in the States. So what we did was we actually, and you can do a paid version or a non-paid version. It kind of depends on your needs and, and the situation. I think yeah. depending on the job and the project, it just kind of mm-hmm. depends for us on this particular case. We actually did a non-paid kind of trial, but, and it was simple. So the way that we had it done was, you know, onlinejobs.ph is a great place to go for, um, for high quality Filipino VAs, by the way. And so we went there and I basically wrote out exactly what we were looking for. You know, Hey, we're going to start this vlog channel, you know, and we actually had sample footage. And Mm -hmm. so basically what I did was I had people respond to three different questions, you know, and in those three questions, virtually the best one was, you know, please email us uh, your, your top three, like vlogging projects that you've worked on, which allowed us. So we had about 15 people reply. And we went through and we were able to kind of see people's top three videos, figure out what vibe it was that we wanted to go with. Mm-hmm. And based on those, you know, portfolios, what my wife and I did was we, we listed down our top five. And then so we addressed those top five people and we said, hey, listen, we can only hire one of you kind of full time to manage this thing. But so what we're going to do now is we're going to give you guys basically a, a trial sample period. Mm-hmm. And what we want you to do is we, we uploaded. Here's the sample footage from one of the vlogs we've done. We would love it if you could go in you know, create a little three to five minute vlog yeah, yeah. Of, of whatever it is, give us your best and submit it and then we'll choose. And sure enough, what happened was the number one person we had wrote down from his portfolio was the one in fact that we liked the best and we yeah. ended up hiring him. Now the other four people, what was super cool about it was the cool thing is they all did very, very well. Mm-hmm. Now, of course we didn't hire him in that specific situation, but it allowed us to connect, change emails, change phone numbers where we mm-hmm. have each other on WhatsApp. So any projects that come up now, you know, that say our main VA can't do, we're like, Hey, we have opportunities for you guys. And so we do send them stuff. Now they're not the full-time vlog guy, but we do still send them business because we made that connection. And so, and if there's ever an opportunity to where, where we increase volume or maybe get into the, you know, helping people create vlogs, we have now five very good people in the VA that we've already vetted. So I think having a trial process or maybe having a trial project so that you know what you're getting. Um, I've just never been a huge fan of, Hey man, I'm going to start paying you, you know, $1,500 a month. And then you, you go and hire them and you realize that they're not delivering up to your expectations or they're not doing what they need to do. In my opinion, that's just a poor job on you going and vetting that hire. No, that's super valuable because that it's not even just the money, but just the time and energy and frustration, especially if you're dealing with clients and then they mess something up with that. Like just by implementing what Ryan just laid out, you know, on this podcast, that's definitely going to save more so energy and frustration for sure. Yeah. And and let me just say too, it's very easy to, you know, cause we all want to be go, go, go quick, quick, quick. Right. And I would say take time to invest more in the beginning to vet it. So, and just to understand that the next three years of your life is going to be a lot better. Um, if you just take a little extra time to vet in the beginning, cause so many times we're like, okay, let's go scoop the first person who replies to us and gives us the lowest rate. We'll Mm -hmm. understand that you're paying for the lowest rate. (laughs) Right. And then, but then you want to get upset when they're not delivering up to par or there's issues. Right. So I would just say, slow down a little bit, 
take time to actually vet in if you're going to hire remotely because it's super important and it's going to save you a ton of headache down in the long run. And dude, I've had to have zero conversations with my vlog guy since we started this process. It's that very is nice. not, not, not a single thing. Wow. That I've ever had to, I mean, he knows it because it's his, it's his calling for, I could tell from the way that he did like his video design, it was exactly what we wanted. So mm-hmm. anytime we send him something, the only thing that we may is like, Hey bro, like this is a great thumbnail, but we would like it if you could kind of just do it, but use yeah. this image instead. But mm-hmm. as far as like quality of work, it's most of the time he sends it, we take it as is and we upload it exactly as he makes it yeah. like it's money. And it's, so you so. said you like online jobs.ph better than Upwork too, or I do. I do. I just use it a lot more. Now, again, there are probably certain things that maybe I would use Upwork for. (laughs) Upwork for me, because again, we still do go out and we do lead generation. Like we have our own clients. Why? Because we can, we make a better margin when we sell our own clients, right? Of course, yeah. So we have the model to where we fulfill for other people, but we also have our own clients. And so Upwork is an amazing lead generation tool. So I know that's mm-hmm. kind of a little bit different, but I use Upwork more for lead gen. And oh, I mean, yeah, if you're, yeah. if, but if you're talking more like specific, like if I need someone to go in and hard code something on my website, then I would uh-huh. use an Upwork because I'm not going to have a VA from the Philippines go and do that. Yeah. So, but to edit like a little video to, you know, there's artists all over the wor- world. So when it comes to design type stuff, I'll use onlinejobs.ph because there are an amazing designers over there and they're going to charge you pennies for what, you know, someone on Upwork's going to charge you from the States. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah. So let me ask you this question for generating your own leads on Upwork too. Yeah. So this is what I've heard. I don't know if it's true because I haven't personally done it, but I've heard that if you like, you can't have a VA to reach out to people on Upwork because like, I don't know, apparently they know and your account gets banned or whatever. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But has, has it been, I guess, like you reaching out or a team member if you're comfortable with answering that? So, so the, the key with it, yes, is you know, you can't have different people logging in from different IPs of the world. Uh-huh. So dude, go spend $15 a month and get you a virtual a VPN, a virtual private network in Atlanta, Georgia, and let your VA log into that VPN Smart. and log in as you. Yeah. It comes from the same location. You'll never get flagged. That's how we do Okay. So VPN or does proxy do the same job, I'm assuming? Um, yeah, you could you could probably use a proxy. We've just always, I do, a, I run a lot of like software-based things um, yeah. through VPNs. So I've always just used a VPN. But yeah, you could definitely test, test a proxy. I mean, whatever works, works. That's right? an awesome hack honestly because i know some agency owners that are like man i wish i could hire out a va for this so i'll have to i'll give you credit for that one share when i relay it so i appreciate it (laughs) yeah of course ryan but um so communication and white labeling holy cow white labeling it sounds like super smart like like have all these different companies like hire for you and it is if you can pull it off right but me personally i'm not gonna lie to you ryan i've had some bad experiences trying to white label my services which were a plethora of things a lot of it was just being new to white labeling but coming from somebody who's done it again and again i want to hear from you what the biggest things are to make sure that your process is streamlined and you don't like you're not confused with who's saying what and what's going on the client's not happy you don't know why you don't have expectations like i just kind of want to hear how you make that so wash and repeat and still get those great results for your clients for sure so you know the biggest thing that i would say with that is never 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 white label someone's service without testing it for 30 days and you and your account being the te- like the, the test project mm-hmm. Again, I will never go and try to sell something that I don't know is proven and I don't know like the, again, I may go sign up for something I potentially want to white label just to yeah. see the system. 
So I'm coming in as a customer, number one. And if it's poor communication, if I'm having an issue, sometimes I will create issues just to see the com- customer support situation. Smart, yeah. So you got to vet that before I ever bring it on underneath me. Again, too many times people want the quick fix. You know, people don't spend enough time and they're just like, oh, well, I can, this sounds like a great idea. I'm going to go white label and make a ton of money. And it's all, it's just very quick, right? We all want to, we, yeah. we want everything in society in America fast. And so you got to slow down. You got to kind of use a little common sense. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, I'll become a client for 30 days. Let me give you a perfect example. This is real life. It's just happening right now. You know, when I built out, when I first got started, we were in the Instagram automation world. Obviously, some mm-hmm. we've kind of evolved now to where we're a full-scale digital firm and we kind of offer a lot of things. But there's never before been a surge in my business revenues, obviously, than 2016, 2017, when Instagram automation was a huge thing. Yeah. You know, we probably had $80,000 a month coming in on passive income, you know, just from rebuilds. And then obviously, you know, Facebook made a pivot and that went away (laughs) and we had to make some adjustments Mm -hmm. in our company. But I would venture to say, so I'm throwing you guys a nugget for anyone listening to this. But, you know, TikTok is exactly where Instagram was in 2016. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's a young demographic. And so there's virtually one, maybe two companies out there right now who are running TikTok automation. TikTok was smart enough to see what happened, so they made their API a lot harder to kind of tap into. Yeah. But there are companies who are good enough to do it, and I know two of them. Okay, One of them has already reached out to me and said, hey, man, we would love for someone of your caliber. We're not going to list this out to a lot of people, but we would love for you to white label what we got going on TikTok. So me and my wife and I, obviously, anywhere, that, first of all, that there's a billion active users a month as well, you want to make sure if you're a business owner, you have a presence there. I don't care if you like TikTok, don't like TikTok. Yeah. Be honest, I don't really like Twitter that much, but guess what? I'm on Twitter. I have 15,000 followers on Twitter that I, you know, I don't really post to that much, but I have mm-hmm. a presence and I'm constantly like still building that audience there. Um, so my point is, is I'm going through the process now. So because they reached out to me, well, what did I do? So the way that I approached them, so because I actually found the company first, right? Yeah. And so I go, oh, wow. No one else is doing TikTok automation. I already know how many millions I did from Instagram. TikTok is basically we're entering that right now with where Instagram was four years ago. If I can be one of the very first ones and only ones offering it and be the first, because that's kind of what happened with Instagram is I got up. I I was one of the ones that hit the ground and got kind of up. So when everyone in Instagram automation kind of come up behind me, I was already so far ahead. It didn't really affect my business at all. People knew who I was. And so kind of the same thing. So I went and I found them and I said, you know what? I'm thinking about this would be amazing if I could white label it. So I signed up. Yes, I paid for the service. Put my TikTok on it. Next thing you know, I'm seeing my account grow two to 3,000 you know, TikTok users a month. And I kind of saw the back end dashboard and I said, you know what? Even two to 3,000 followers a month is powerful enough that people targeted wise would mm-hmm. pay for, Definitely. You know, would pay $150, $200 a month for it. So then I reached out and sent an email and I said, Hey, love what you guys are doing. Don't see really any other companies doing this. Would you guys be interested in bringing me on as a white label, um, you know, person? Obviously I have yeah. a huge track record. You can see I got an email response. I'm not going to drop the name of the company because then everybody would flood, but you know, of course, they emailed me back and said, hey, you know, we've actually been considering, you know, doing this and bringing people on, but we're going to keep it limited. But you and your company is the exact kind of preferred person that we would want to go and kind of white label this yeah, for us. Yeah. So give us three weeks. We're still building out you being able to customize your dashboard and be able to plug and play clients. But you'll be the first to hear when we have this built out. 
So yeah. now I'm sitting here and I'm already, so see, I'm already getting the results now. I'm already reached out to customer support and seen their customer support, how efficient they were. They responded mm-hmm. to me in 24 hours. Jeez. So I know it's pretty efficient. Um, I've seen the results on my page. I've kind of seen how targeted I can get. And so already on day one, when they go, Hey, we're ready to launch this. I'm already pretty comfortable going and selling that because I've already now spent 30, 60, 90 days going through the process. It's vetted. Yeah. See what I'm saying? It's not like I just saw it, clicked on it and said, Ooh, let me go add this to my cart and start adding this to my pitch deck that I talk to everybody without vetting it. So that's huge. And that's kind of something I'm working on literally right now, because that could be the next, honestly, 50 to a hundred thousand a month, you know, service that I go on white label. No, that, that is, that is cool because Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So how do you go about, you know, pitching these um, kind of automation services to clients? Cause I understand it's a little bit of like a weird spot where like you want to inform them on what it is, but like a lot of times clients don't really know what you're talking about. And like, if you're white labeling it, you know, just how do, how does that kind of like a uh, pitch look like in the sales process? Well, for, for me, a lot of times if people ask me straight up, is it automation? Honesty goes a long way. A lot yeah. of people, it, it, it's kind of a, a word. Yeah. That people, they kind of shunned, especially on Instagram, but don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. People actually love when you tell them, Hey, I can give you all of your time back that you would spend doing this yourself. I can go and do it probably even better than you, but you're not going to have to spend four, four to six hours a day doing this. Yeah. And I can have this system run, you know, 18 to 24 hours a day for you. And it's going to be targeted in the way that I know how to do it. And trust me, I've been running this, you know, this vehicle for four years. Yeah. So I'm probably going to get better results than you are doing it manually. And so when you tell people that and you tell people that it can be targeted and you just show them, you know, the results, it's kind of like, you know, if I was to, to give you, if you were going to go run a race, right. Or drive mm-hmm. a race with someone and I put you in a stick shift Lamborghini, but you were like, okay, I don't even know how to drive a stick. But this guy says, Hey bro, get out. You know, I'm going to basically drive this thing. I've been building cars, building vehicles my whole life. You know, a lot of these clients understand that and they're going to open the door and get out and let you come sit in. Mm -hmm. And plus I'm saying, oh, by the way, you know, you don't even have to now be in this vehicle as we go down this, go down this race because you're freed up to go do whatever you want. People buy into that concept. People care about one thing and that's getting a problem solved. Right. And if their problem is it's hard for them to organically grow on TikTok and or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and you can come in and say, Hey, not only is it not going to cost you any of your time, but I'm going to provide a solution to this problem for you and help you mm-hmm. grow your audience. People will literally open up the door and pay you whatever you want. Yeah. So, but again, it comes down to, you got to be able to deliver the results. That's the biggest thing. The moment the results go out the door, you know, it's kind of like there, you've probably heard queen, the queen bee feature, right? Every company mm-hmm. has a queen bee. Uh, if you've never read the book clockwork, I would highly suggest you go read the book clockwork because in that it kind of discusses about how every company, when you reflect, it talks about, you know, the queen bee and we need to identify that because that should be the one thing that everyone in the organization gets around and always make sure that that is operating because the moment the queen bee dies, what happens? The whole tribe kind of, the whole hive just dies with it. And so for us being, a growth company, the moment we stop getting growth results is the moment we die. And we know that. So everything that I do and test as I'm constantly trying to make sure that people are at least growing what we tell them they're going to grow. No, that that makes total sense. So then when you're, when you're going about pricing your services to not just with automation, but just with anything, um, clearly I know that's something a lot of business owners, especially younger entrepreneurs, they, they either undervalue or overvalue or they don't know what the value is. So how do you kind of look at, you know, picking a value that can be, uh, you know, beneficial for both people involved and duplicated? For sure. So me pricing, um, I'm a little bit, I have a, a couple things to say about this, but, um, yeah. but the, the very first thing is like most people, 
we tend to undervalue what we offer when mm-hmm. we start real low because we want to try to get awareness. And I don't think that's a terrible thing in the beginning because it kind of boosts your confidence as a business owner to have people that, want, that you feel like want your stuff. Yeah. Um, but over time, you know, as I'm a big Grant Cardone fan, obviously. And so reading his books, you kind of learn that like setting pricing and whatnot, you do have to rank your mind up, right? You have to first believe that you're worth, say, instead of $10 a month, $100 a month in order for you to offer and even be able to sell at a hundred. Mm-hmm. Same thing that when I do like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm implementing a, how to make more money online and it's teaching people how to create an online personal brand, develop mm-hmm. it, and then go out and properly establish it like a professional. And we do that over eight to 10 weeks. So that program though is $3,000, you know, just, just to run through that eight to 10 week program. Well, yeah. for a lot of people getting in business, selling a program for three grand, if you don't think that you're worth three grand, it's probably like a seems seems astronomical. You're like, how in the world am I going to get anyone? Well, the moment that you, if you're running those thoughts through your head and you're like, how am I going to get people, yeah. you know, and you're questioning the $3,000 price mark, you're probably not going to get it. And so you got to remember when you're pricing, you have to rank and scale your thinking up and then your prices will kind of follow that. Now, the other thing I want to say is, you know, you don't want to be caught in what's, what's called no man's land. And some people, you may have heard this strategy, but you know, when you're in war, yeah. warfare back in the day, you don't want to be caught in the middle because you'll be shot and killed. Obviously that's kind, mm-hmm. of, kind of no man's land. So you have to do market research. You have to figure out where is everyone else kind of floating. And if everyone in the market is in between, you know, no man's land, you're kind of getting lost in the mix. Mm-hmm. And so what I would tell people is you want to be on either this side or this side, right? You want to either be, you got to pick a side of the spectrum. So do I want to be Walmart or Amazon? where I'm either, you know, kind of selling the best service at the lowest possible rate. And maybe that's where you live, you Mm -hmm. know, or maybe I want to be, you know, like Kanye West Yeezys, right? Where shoes usually sell, you know, around a hundred dollars, but he's, his are reselling aftermarket, whatever, when you get them, you know, four or 500, 600,000, depends on which pair that you go get. So you want to be more of a premium, right? Because, Mm -hmm. but you have to pick and choose. This would be like easy, supreme, off-whites. That's kind of those luxury they've chosen to go this way. Or you could be kind of like Walmart or Amazon, but you don't want to just be caught in the dead middle is my Mm -hmm. opinion, just my rule of thumb. Because the moment anything happens, whether your services value drops, say I was getting you 2,000 followers a month, the moment it drops to Mm 1,000, You know, or the moment your customer service takes a little bit too long, they're going to go, well, I can go over here and pay the same amount and they're going to do it better. It creates this sense of jumping around. And that's why I feel like burn and turn in social media because I've heard a lot of companies that gotten out of social media, you know, whereas I've been around now for four years and I hear, man, there's too much burn and turn in social media. Well, that's because your pricing is in a situation to where they can jump. There there can be burn and turn. Uh But if I'm over here and I've got you sold on a 10,000, you know, per month package, uh-huh. Right. And the person below me may be offering the same thing, but his retainers are $500 a month perceived value wise. They're going, well, frick, there's no way I can go from here to go to there because what I'm getting here, obviously they can't deliver what I'm getting here, Yeah, you know, because yeah. of the huge discrepancy in price, you know, now, and, and it happens a lot of the times. And so I would say though, if you choose this side, cause I would tell people as well, we tend to price ourselves a little on the higher end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of sell, and I know that and I tell people, yeah, we are a little, a little more of a premium, but the one thing that you get with us that you don't get with the agency over there is you don't get me, you don't get yeah. my processes and you don't get my team. So it goes back to the fact that I am super confident in what I can go out and deliver. And again, I think people can pick up on that when they talk to me, but yeah, you're going to pay a little bit of a premium for me yeah. because 
you know, these other companies may be a little bit cheaper, but again, our systems are going to be better. I know that we're going to go above and beyond. I know we're going to provide the best customer support. So you can't lack in any of those areas if you're going to sell at a premium. Yeah. You can't have terrible customer support. So one of the biggest things that we try to do, even if our results are a little bit down, which we, we try to, because again, at, as you know, Instagram or any social media platform releases an update, it can affect results temporarily. Yeah. So what do you have to be good at? We try to go extreme, extreme customer support to the point that where, you know, you have, I mean, a lot of these companies in the first year had my direct cell phone number. They have my direct email. They mm -hmm. have the cell phone number to my assistants. Like we're pretty much kind of within reason, 24 seven accessible. Me, obviously we try to tell people we're not open on the weekends. And after about seven, I quit kind of replying. But the point is, is people feel good about just having, man, I got the CEO's cell phone number. Yeah. So that's kind of why VIP customer support. There's, I mean, you go to these other companies with thousands of clients, you're not getting the CEO's phone True. number. So that kind of sets us apart, which is why I can also charge a little more for it. Yeah, definitely. So one thing I heard you touch on there, and like I referenced in the beginning of the show too, um, one of the big reasons I want to have you on was just because of your values. And because I know that's like such a high priority in your life and your business, which I really respect. So I'd love for you to touch with your listeners a bit about your values, especially in how your personal values translate in business in a way where it's respectful to everyone and still, you know, really becomes a big, big reason for, I guess, from what I've seen, you know, your success in business. For sure. So my wife and I, yeah, we're, we're spiritually, spiritually backed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, a huge part of my testimony is things that happen in business. Um, and to be honest, man, I mean, I can kind of even go in your younger listeners probably need to hear this. So I'll kind of dive into it. Yeah, a little go bit. For it. But this will be the first podcast um, that I've kind of even mentioned this because, you know, when I was going through, I was doing two or three interviews again last year, kind of mm -hmm. going down that whole verification thing. And then the moment I got married, got verified and all that, I shut down all the interviews. Cause I was like, dude, I have I've done over a hundred of these things. What's the yeah. point? So this is actually the first interview I've done since probably March of 2019. Oh, dang. So, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> and I just told my wife, I was like, yeah, I got an interview today. I was like, I'm getting back on the horse. I'm going to start opening yeah, up. Yeah. So this is a prime segue into, you know, kind of my testimony. But so, you know, I would just say, you know, be mindful. Um, now, I don't, obviously we are, you know, Christians, my wife and I, but you have to be guarded in terms of, I'm not saying that money is a bad thing. Obviously, dude, I want to go make $10 million this year. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I do think the headspace of where you're at trying to go and do that, you, you have to keep it in check, especially young listeners, right? So let me just say I was probably making somewhere around forty fifty thousand dollars a year um, as the baseball instructor. Mm -hmm. Good year, I might have made sixty grand. Yeah. And um, <laughs> but when I launched this company, you know, at twenty seven, twenty eight, and you go to, to a seven figure earner, you know, at twenty eight years old, and you've never had that, you know, it, it it you can get caught up in that whirlwind very quickly, yeah. right? And especially being in the Instagram marketing space because it's all about clout. Yeah, it's it all about image. And so, you know, you just have to be careful because we were in that world and we kind of got in that world for a little bit, you know, to where, you know, I had the Rolex, dude, I had the six figure car, you know, I, we were going to designer, you know, we would walk into Gucci, spend three, four or $5,000, like on a single trip shopping yeah. spree. We did all of that. And I don't say that, you know, to impress you. I say that to impress upon you the idea and the concept that, you know, I wish everyone, it's kind of like Jim Carrey says, you know, I wish everyone could be, could, could be a millionaire and, and be super famous because you would realize that's not the answer. It's kind of like we crave so much to get the $150,000 BMW i8 
And the reality is, yeah, it was amazing. Dude, don't get me wrong. Every time I walked out to get in it, I, f- I knew what it took to get there. So you felt a sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you that six months after I was driving the car versus the day I bought it, completely different headspace. Not that I didn't appreciate it. It's just it's a material thing. It can't fulfill you forever. Yeah. Same thing when I bought this Rolex, which I bought for a completely different reason. It was, I want to use it as a family heirloom to give to my son or daughter one day. Yeah. That's kind of why I bought it and it holds its value. But my point is, is, you know, even putting it on every morning, do you think I look down and go, oh my goodness, this, the answer to that is no, I don't. It's yeah. a watch. And, and so, but my point is, is my story is, you know, last year when everything flipped, so I told you I was making probably $80,000, $90,000 a month, you know, for yeah. a huge portion of my career since I launched my company. And then Instagram made a little pivot and it wasn't ju- just me that got hit, mm-hmm. but virtually it was the API. My system that was designed could no longer do what it was designed to do. Therefore, results didn't happen. That queen bee got crushed. And so do we lost 70% of our revenue literally virtually like that? Yeah. I mean, within 60 days, we were probably making $10,000 a month. Well, when you set a lifestyle, right, chasing, when yeah. you set a lifestyle to where you're making that money and you depend on it. Now, look, I was smart enough being an accounting major to put money away. So we made it and it wasn't like, like we were just awful. But mm-hmm. my point is, is I started, I got into a different area. It was a little more gray, right? Nothing. I'm not saying like drugs, alcohol, nothing like that. It was still in the social media space. But my point is, is mm-hmm. I was helping people go and do things like with the digital PR world and, you know, helping people go and get verification type of stuff. And we was charging like consulting fees to educate you on what it takes to become eligible. And then Mm -hmm. we would manage that process over six to eight weeks by putting you in, you know, Forbes Inc, entrepreneurbusiness.com, all these publications. And then when you were credible, we would submit you in and we would help you get verified. Mm -hmm. Right. So I kind of got into that space. Well, in Facebook's terms, you can't take money, right. For, verifications. In my opinion, and I'll just say this in case someone from Facebook listens in, but in my opinion, we weren't taking Joe Blow off the street who had nothing and going, hey, under the table, send me, pay me 10, 15 grand. Yeah. We're going to go get you a blue check. That's not what we were doing. Gavin would come to us and, and be interested in, hey, I want to take my brand to the next level, get some some credibility, get some social proof because it's the, mm-hmm. you know, verification was the 2019, 2020 business card, right? Yeah. It just changes the game. I can speak to the fact that you will see an increase in a lot of things, including revenue. If you have it probably the same way you reached out to me with the verification I have now, right? It's just mm-hmm. a huge source of prestige. And so point is, is I was helping people go and get that. And I was charging 10, 15, $20,000 for that. I'm talking, you know, to people that are, I'm not going to name drop, but people were 10, 50, hundred million dollars yeah. that didn't have it, that had the money. And so we would go and we would help them do that. Probably helped over a hundred people last year go and do that. Yeah. And so a lot of big names that if I dropped, you would go, I know exactly who that is. Yeah. Very like household names that are in the entrepreneur world. I helped them get it. Yeah. And so, well, someone competition wise, right? Because I was told that people in LA knew me, people in New York knew me, people in Mm -hmm. Miami knew me. They knew who I was and they ended up taking an email because I kind of was trying to use this new model to make up for the lack over here, right? Because again, remember, I just lost 70%. Well, being young and not really kind of thinking it all through, I quickly gravitated to, I got, this is how I can make up the lack of. And so I started pushing a lot more of this volume Mm -hmm. and I kind of got caught up in it. And I was like, wow, we're making even more money than we were before. Right. And so I was like, this is great. Well, what happened was, is I had 30 to 40 people emailing me a day for this. And I was basically emailing out, I had my team emailing out and competition basically baited me and got the process, got the, we were putting a dollar amount to it and they basically handed it in, you know, to Facebook and said, Hey, you need to look into this. Um, and they ended up kind of looking into it and basically dude, it cost me my first Instagram page and my business page. 
So my first Instagram, that not a lot of people, the Instagram you, you PM me on, it's not my original one. My original one was at Ryan Wyatt verified with about 630,000 followers. Yeah. So in my business page had around 80 something thousand. So collectively in an instant, I lost about over 700,000 worth of followers a verification and the page that in my opinion kind of gave me everything right because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know this but I met my wife right sitting in there on Instagram it gave me my first business it made me who I was in my opinion yeah. it gave me my first seven-figure company so dude I had to hire like a life coach for because this was September of 2019 this isn't yeah. that long ago and so now you know I've lost 70% of my business but I've also lost my two pages which was 100% my lead acquisition think about that I didn't run Facebook ads Google ads none of that I was such an authority figure in that space people constantly was DMing and emailing me we would have 30 calls a day on the books just from that page so I went from 30 to zero virtually overnight yeah. And so now I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do now? And also keep in mind that all these people I had helped were freaking out because they're like, if he can go down, anybody can go down. And he helped us. So like, what's going to happen to our pages? Yeah, yeah. And so it was just this whole thing, man. I ended up writing a letter, like getting it notarized, sending it at the end of Facebook, like tried and tried and tried to explain my side of things because I didn't truly feel like I was doing anything terribly wrong, to be honest, because who's going to go create articles, pay publishers, get articles up, manage that process, educate the client and do that for six to eight weeks and not charge for it. You know what I mean? So for me, all I did was I took where I was as a baseball guy and how I got verification and what did I do in between? Let's systemize that and go offer it to people. Mm -hmm. To me, still to this day, it doesn't, I'm not doing anything shady in my opinion or wrong. I don't think so either, to be honest. You know, and, yeah. and I think a lot of listeners will be like, no, dude, I don't think you would either. If I was given in, or in your situation, I would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when people were saying that they will pay a 10, 15, $20,000 price point for yeah. that service. And it's not, I mean, you're just getting them so, in publications too. It's not like that's it. Yeah. And, and this is kind of what I explained in my letter was, you know, we made them credible. Yeah. But once they were credible, we handed it off and submitted to the exactly. Facebook team. It's like and they say, they say yes or no. Mm-hmm. So when they say yes and you give it to that individual, we didn't charge on the back end for that. We charged on yeah, the front end for exactly. consulting and managing. So again, to me, I mean, it, you can call it a gray area. We'll call it a gray area. But because I dabbled in the gray area kind of chasing money, I ended up – so it cost me my page. It cost me my business because I was very much trying to keep up with this lifestyle. Again, yeah. I was young, dude. I mean, I'm only 29 now. I mean, this was – I'm 27, 28 years old. Yeah. And so I'm saying you have to be guarded. You have to be cautious. And so a huge part of my testimony, which will bring all this around to go get back to your original question, but uh, to top it all off, I know a lot of people don't know this, but that car right there, that BMW i to kind of finally get it to a conclusion, I ended up totaling that car December the 19th, 2019. I got into like the whole front end ripped off $50,000 worth of damage. I ended up walking away from it, but it was kind of like all this culminating to, you know, spiritually, God was like, hey, listen, I gave you all this, but responsibly, you didn't take care of it. So he basically mm-hmm. took every single thing away from me down, like just pulled it away. Yeah. So and when you think about like how much I achieved in two, three years, and then to virtually kind of be coming back into having to hire a life coach and whatnot in January, which granted, dude, we're in a far different situation now. So I just want to say that, you know, moving into, but I had to have a lot, those three months of September, you know, to kind of January, you know, we got, we had an opportunity to sit down and kind of just reflect and go, why is all of this kind of happening? And the thing that kind of resonated with me, because I'll say that, you know, I, I want to throw out that a lot of times the greater the intensity of the tension, the greater the potential for progression, right? That can take mm-hmm. place. And so for me, I had a chance to look back and go, wow, I had all this platform. I had all this influence, but what was I doing to like move the kingdom of God further? 
Right. Yeah. So that was me getting convicted. And so I had to realize that, okay, I was allowing money, right? We know if you're spiritually back and you read the Bible and you read scripture, it says you can't serve, you know, basically two things. You either got to choose God or money, right? You can't serve both, both masters. One will prevail over the other. And so not that again, money's, money's not bad. It never says in there that you can't go make money, be successful and inspire and help and donate and, you know, give away mm-hmm. money. It doesn't say those things. It just says that you have to be guarded. You have to be mindful. So now, you know, I'm, I just launched this whole, now I'm kind of moving into branding um, and helping people go out because again, going back through my story, 2017, I was a baseball guy. You know, everyone knew me as that. Now people that meet me know me as a social media, digital marketer, seven figure earner. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how did that guy though? I mean, I meet people three years ago that met me and they're like, dude, how in the world did you become that, that quick? Yeah. Branding. So I'm going to teach people how to go and do that. And so now like we're putting in systems and processes to go and teach that. And I'm selling it, you know, a one-on-one little, um, live case study with me over eight to 10 weeks and it's $3,000. So don't get me wrong. We're making money again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but the point is, is I remember I used to walk around, I used to tell my wife, I'm like, I never really felt like I had a, a powerful testimony. Like a lot of people do, you know, you hear people that are on drugs, alcohol for forever. And then they have something that happens mm. and then they get sober, you know, they find Jesus and it changes their whole life. I never felt like I had that. Yeah. But the one thing that I'd always kind of prayed for and wanted, you know, maybe even subconsciously, was a powerful testimony. And I realized that exactly what he was doing was not only did he put me on track because I was going, that Ryan was going this way and he wanted to put me and use my influence and all the things I was doing and take me on this trajectory, but he gave me that testimony. Right. And so it's pretty cool because when you hear a a story of, of me, of where a 20 year old goes, becomes a millionaire and is living this crazy lifestyle that you would have saw on my other page designer Rolexes, six figure cars, all of this. I mean, we went to Bora Bora on our honeymoon, dude. We were the youngest couple there. We're looking around at all these 78 year old people. Like we took a $20,000 honeymoon. Like we did all those things. And then to have everything stripped from you. And literally I lost my business. I lost my page. I lost my car and I had an opportunity in that moment to figure out, okay, how are we going to move forward and how are we going to go reconstruct and build this? But I had already had kind of assurance that I was going to kind of get it back which is kind yeah. of funny now because in those moments, dude, I was like, well, I'm never going to get verification again because it was taken from me for this reason. But I had always been told, I had kind of had a piece about the fact that I was going to get it back. He was going to give me my influence back, but what was I going to do different this time, right? How was I going to yeah. be guarded? So here I am. You reached out to me. I have obviously an Instagram now with like 140K. I'm back verified, right? And so it was given to me and you know, I had to wait for it. But through all of it all, I would just say to your young listeners, like definitely go want to be successful, make money. Just be very, very cautious not to get caught up in the whirlwind because it can suck you in. And before you even realize it, everything you do, every thought that you have every second of the day, you're thinking about how can I go make money? You start to make kind of these gray decisions because you're clouded and you just, it's that dopamine hit, right? Money can give you that. First time you make a $10,000 sale, I used to remember, dude, I would get that dopamine hit and like I would ride a high. And so you find, you can find yourself constantly chasing that. And then what starts to happen is you start to see a divide in your relationships, right? For me, my wife during that time period, right? And so your friends, you know, your family members, I was even convicted one time, dude, I remember my mom, you know, love her to death, like greatest woman on planet earth. But she was like, yeah, everyone around in the family felt like they couldn't even reach out to you because you were always so busy. So yeah, on the outside, it seemed like everything was great. You know, yeah, I'm a millionaire in my twenties, but my family members felt like my younger brother even told me, I didn't feel like I could call you with struggles I was dealing with because you were going to tell me you were on call. That's a huge, that's a huge blow, right? Especially Mm -hmm. for a spiritually backed person. So I've never shared that before publicly. And so I wanted to have the opportunity to kind of speak because this is a younger demographic of people and I've walked through it. Um, I'm leading a men's group of younger entrepreneurs here in Atlanta now, uh, Mm kind of keeping them guarded from that. But, uh, but yeah, man, I just wanted to share. No, I appreciate you sharing that so much. Honestly, like just 
even thinking about that in like my own life. So to be completely transparent, how I'm thinking about stuff now is, you know, I basically like I deleted all my social medias, except I redownload Instagram clearly to do podcast outreach. And like, you know, that's how we got in contact. Yeah. But um, a big part of that was just like, you know, I, I talked to different friends and whatnot, which I, I honestly do enjoy them and their presence and whatnot. But I'm like, I really want my business to succeed. Like, that's what I want. Because the way I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, if my business succeeds, I can get this kind of like automated. I actually enjoy working on my business. So I'm not like throw it away. But like, basically, have this set it up so I can have more free time, then I'll be back. But it just, it kind of makes me want to like, I speak, can I speak to yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, please, please do. So that is the exact same. So as humans, we're very, we're very alike. And I remember saying that exact same thing to me four years ago. Damn, and let me just tell you that four years in, I still say those exact same things to certain people, but I catch myself now because mm-hmm. I've been through it. I catch myself. And the reality is, especially someone your age that you have to realize it was told to me and I'll tell it to you. The work will never be done. You know, do you, th- I mean, the day that you think that you're going to make a million dollars and automate it and go spend all this time with your family and friends, cause it's not a destination. It's a journey. Yeah. So that means it's ongoing. And the work will never be done. But do you, and I had someone ask me this and the, the short answer because of our pride and our ego is to say yes. But do you really think if you make a million dollars a year that you're going to stop at a million dollars a year? No. People like you and I it just doesn't happen. And let me, and let, and let me, let me even go a step further. When I launched social revelation, I told myself I wanted to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that in South Georgia, where I come from, that would make me financially successful. I got to where I was doing $92,000 a month. And I was already telling my wife, who was already limited and said that she couldn't even feel like I was in, ever in the room with her. I had already committed to I was going to make 500000 and a million dollars a month. That's how fast. That's how fast it happened. Yeah. The moment I reached almost, you know, so I said, I'm going to make a hundred grand a year. I'm making six figures a month. And my mind was already going to, I want to make a half a million and a million a month. What do you think would happen when I would have got to a million a month? Two million, four million. Because, yeah. because we, right, our reticular activator in our brains, we pick up on certain things. So we would pick up on the Grant Cardone who we know is make, mm-hmm. is managing a billion dollars in real estate. And we would go, I can be that. And so now we've already reset our goal. So the moment we hit our goal, we immediately reset it. We live in a culture, especially of us, we don't celebrate wins and yeah. we don't celebrate consistency either. The moment we go and achieve a goal, the next goal is already set before we even lay our head down at night. And so I would just say to you, you need to focus on what you have right now. And I do, trust me, I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world. I'm not preaching to you because I just told my younger Mm -hmm. brother even earlier today, as I'm trying to be better, Hey, I will talk to you today. It will happen because if I don't do that and I don't catch myself, I can also go back into the grind because I'm just like you. I want to grind, 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 grind and make money. But the reality is slow down, bro. 30, you know, 70 to 80% of Americans make $30,000 a year and they raise families on that. So Dude, I just had a deal that come on. I closed the deal for $3,600 before I come on this podcast. People make that in a month. I did it before we even got on this show. Mm-hmm. I made that in a day. And so it's like, you can't call your brother. People are raising families living off 30 grand. Because the reality is what happens What happens to your friend? What happens to him? What happens to me? What happens to you if, if you weren't here tomorrow, right? So you have this mm-hmm. huge accolade, but you think and mentally in your brain you're going to live to 80, but you don't know. So what if you never even make it? You've spent all your whole life chasing and trying to make this crazy million dollar business and you get it automated. So you have all this time of freedom. What if you die before you get there? Then what? Then what, what do you leave your friends with? They only, they're standing at your funeral one day talking about how busy you were and how 
unavailable you were, right? Yeah. And is that is that and when you when you really sit down and you reflect, which I think meditation is so important and why it's so important away from distraction is because you really get to ask yourself what is most important in your life and you have to figure that out. And for most people, when you break through the barriers, it's, you know, my faith, my friends, my family, you know, and my kids if I have kids. You know, but Mm -hmm. that needs to be where your focus remains. And like I said, it's a struggle. I'm not going to sit here and say that you're going to decide today and it's all going to be great and you're never going to have this struggle again. I deal with this every day myself. I think every business owner, millionaire, I think they can all relate to this. But I know a lot of millionaires, bro, who are super unhappy and lonely because they never took the time growing up to invest in their relationships. That's a huge reason why I started the men's group here in Atlanta, which is very intimate. I lead a group of about six to eight men where we can actually get together as men and be very very vulnerable with each other. Like, dude, we can cry together. We can share together because we live in such a world where masculinity is such a huge thing. And we feel like we can as men like share our emotions. But the reality is a lot of progression and healing comes from being able to share. So when I had that, I went through what I went through and I realized just how much of a lack there was in the world. And I said, you know what? This should exist. How? Because I know everyone else, you know, just go, go to church and just ask anybody, hey, are you dealing with anything today? Everyone's dealing with stuff. So I'm like, why, sh- why wouldn't I be the one to create this then? And so yeah. I did just that because now every Sunday I have an accountability to lead those men. And so it gives me an opportunity as well, you know, to speak to them for, dude, we'll meet. Sometimes it goes two hours. Sometimes it goes three hours, but there's no cap and we meet every other Sunday. And it's the most powerful thing I think I've had in my entire life. No, that, that sounds amazing. I mean, I appreciate you so much sharing that and, you know, we're getting towards the end of the podcast. So I want to be respectful of the <laughs> time sure. and whatnot, For but, sure. um, just one last thing I want to ask pertains to that yeah. subject, which was how are you currently balancing your life, your work? You know, it, it's a balance, but it really isn't at the same time, but how are you just managing that now having gone to one extreme before? How have you readjusted and kind of like, how would you recommend a young person similar in my position that I shared with you would kind of, I guess, move forward? For sure. You, you you have to sit down, you have to set boundaries. You know, a lot of times we get in a, a place like we're in because we have no boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like me being married. I have to set a boundary to where, you know, Friday after six o'clock, I don't do business Saturday and Sunday. If you text me, you're not going to get a re- response. I understand, but the work will be there on Monday. The emails yeah. will be there on Monday. And so it's those boundaries, you know, it's, you know, at two o'clock setting a 30 minute lunch aside with my wife so that we can be intentional together and create that time. And then mm-hmm. understanding if the phone rings at two Oh one, not, not to answer it. And, and that's still something that I struggle with. Um, dude, I mean, it's, that's going to be, I feel like a lifelong journey. I don't think it's ever going to be perfect. Um, yeah. I think you, we should seek perfection, but understand that even if we take one small step forward, we're in a better predicament than we were before. And then after, you know, six, 12 months, three years, you look back and kind of see every day I put a step forward towards that goal. Wow. You mm-hmm. know, I'm a completely different person and, and you will be recognized as a different person. So just boundaries, man, is the biggest thing that I would say. And, and just be very intentional with the ones that you care about most. Because again, that's, you know, you just don't ever, you don't ever know and you don't want to leave the earth and, and just, you know, not have that something on your heart that you felt like you wanted to share or even to be a rock for that person who maybe wanted to share something with you. The worst thing in the world for me is, is dying and, you know, knowing that I wasn't available for those people because you can't take the money with you, you know? So, and what's the, what's the point in making all the money if there's no one there to share it with? Mm -hmm. Right. So. Yeah, no, I appreciate you a ton for coming on, Ryan. Where's the best place for all our listeners to follow up with you at? Yeah, for sure. So uh, you can go to my website at officialryanwhite.com or you can connect with me on Instagram at CEO Ryan White. Awesome. Appreciate your time, Ryan. Yeah, man. I appreciate you.
And that is a wrap for the episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. When it comes to the top three for this episode, clearly with Ryan, um, you know, some really valuable stuff dropped on here for business owners, young individuals in general. And my first one is test your systems before you sell them. This is the same for products, services, whatever it is. If it's a service, you want to test your systems throughout that service. Make sure everything is going to be going good before you do this. I have one instance where I actually didn't do this and it did not go well. Like I thought everything was fine based off like previous experience that that person had um, that I was partnering with to fulfill for a client. Um, and it was just rushed, you know, it was rushed. It kind of came up and I saw the opportunity and I never had the intent of like rushing through it and not getting good results. I just figured, Oh, I can get good results. Like let's do this without actually testing in that instance. And that's something I learned is, you know, if you're going after customer delight, which you want delighted customers in a business and not just customer satisfaction or, um, even dissatisfaction, then you have to make sure that, you know, your systems are online, your services are online before you go and offer that to somebody else. So the second one here is TikTok automation. Guys, Ryan gave you guys a big nugget in this podcast. I don't know if you realize this, but if you want to make, I'm thinking of a realistic number, an extra $2,000 a month and work, how much would you have to work for this? Like if you're making 2K, you're probably going to be working one to two hours a day if you want to leverage TikTok automation tools. If I say something, it's so funny. A lot of people would be like, well, how do I do that? Google it, look it up on YouTube. Same way I learned, <laughs> you know, um, look up podcasts. If anyone has a podcast on TikTok, maybe see if they mention it. They might not. It might be a little hidden gem for them. But if you can, a lot of businesses, they don't know what to do on TikTok. But like Ryan said, you know, there's stuff out there. Um, there it's a platform with more than, I think, a billion users now, he said, or I know it's over 700 um, million which is insane you grow that quickly on TikTok, um, like how the platform has grown that quickly. But guys, if you want to make extra money, you want to make that online money in a practical manner, look more into TikTok automation for businesses or personal brands, but test it on yourself first, test it on a client for free first, make sure it works. And then when you bring that to the table, it's nice because a lot of businesses right now don't know what the hell to do on TikTok. I just pitch it as, hey, we can get you targeted, targeted uh, followers on TikTok in your area. This is how we do it. And we can do it for this price. It will take the time off your hands. You won't have to worry about your strategy. Um, we'll just get a few posts up on there. So that way they know, um, you know, why they should follow your account. And then we'll start bringing you guys, uh, you know, some traffic and uh, leads and whatnot via TikTok, or at least just building up their brand. Because just like Instagram turned into this big, great thing today, TikTok will do that too, eventually, in my opinion, right? It'll take time, but Instagram started as something that was just for photographers and look what it is now. It's for everybody. TikTok started as just the memes and songs, but it's going to transition into something bigger. Just watch. So the third part is, and the biggest one is clearly what we talked about at the end of this podcast, which you just recently heard, which is really like, instead of saying, I'll be happy when, or I'll do this when, or I'll start my business when, like for me, I'm saying I'll spend more time with my relationships when my business is automated and I'm making, you know, like 50 K a month, like, will I though? Or will I go to a hundred K? You know, it's funny. Cause when he said that at first, I was like, I don't really know about that. But then I thought about it. And I thought about something that I preach and that I know is true. And that's when somebody says, I'll be happy when I make $5,000 a month. Right. I'll be happy when I do that. It's not true. It isn't true. I've seen, I've seen it happen to people, you know, and 
I've seen it many times, actually. I personally haven't experienced a happy one. I find a lot of joy in life in general, just because I look for joyous things. But it's funny in a way how the human mind works. If we're not happy and content with ourselves right now, a partner's not going to fix that. You know, if we're not happy and content with ourselves right now, a Lambo's not going to fix that. You know, money is important to my opinion, and it's a problem that needs to be solved because if you don't have it, you know, there's a lot of risks that you're putting yourself and your family at potentially. Like right now, if you lose a job and you didn't have money before, holy cow, I'm, by the time I'm recording on this, it's like the peak of Corona, right? Or maybe it's not, who knows, but it's um, March 24th. So just remember that the best time to solve something is now. If you say, I'll be happy when, you're not going to be happy then. You need to be happy with yourself now or forgive yourself. If Because if you're doing something you hate about yourself, then drop it, but forgive yourself. And it's not so easy just to drop it, but you need to forgive yourself for your past because if you don't forgive yourself, then you're not going to get better and you can't be happy, right? You need to forgive yourself and then seriously implement and look into doing stuff by setting up your environment, right? Like hypothetically, let's say I was trying to quit being on my phone. It's hard to be on your phone if you don't have one, right? Extreme example, but that's what I mean. If I'm saying I'm trying to stop smoking marijuana hypothetically, it's hard to smoke it if it's not in my house. Just saying, right? Especially now that we're all quarantined. So with that being said, it's important to remember that. And that's something I have to remember with the example I gave earlier. So I'm glad that Ryan was able to open my eyes to that because that's an important thing. Spending time with others is an important thing. And it's not something to take lightly, especially other people that care about you. You want to reciprocate that to them. So I'm very appreciative to, for Ryan for doing that. You know, it's... um. I feel very blessed in my life and I'm very grateful that he shared that because I feel like a lot of people are going to benefit from that. And, you know, it's just these things. So many people are freaking out about Corona. I agree. It's not good, especially, you know, if there are big economic impacts in your family and you don't feel like, you know, maybe your survival's at stake. Right now is a time where I would take advantage of stuff where you shift your mindset and you try to, you know, be calm, be happy with yourself and your situation, even if it's not ideal, forgive yourself for your past and then look at something and change it like TikTok automation. If you have to, you can't get a job in person. Awesome. Make money in line. How do I do that? Look it up, but make sure who you learn from has actually done shit and they don't make money selling courses. Like that's their only source of revenue. Like they've never made money in e-commerce. They've made money selling courses about e-commerce. Don't learn from those people, right? Don't. I've done it before and I've got screwed. I got screwed out of about $1,500 when I was more so getting started out on my journey, which isn't a small amount, right? So I just wanted to share this with you guys because it's super important. And yeah, hope you guys had a great day or if the day's still going, if you're starting out your morning, I hope it's killer man or girl. <laughs> But yeah, thank you guys for, turn, for tuning in and I appreciate you all.